0: back to another exciting episode of Extra Futurism. Today, I'd love to tell you what I have here, but her name is French, and I've screwed it up twice, so we're going to let her tell you about her film and her name, so go ahead, please.
1: <laughs> so, hi, my name is Maya Erika, and I'm here to talk about my film, Ariane's Baby.
0: Perfect. See, that's the only thing I did. Now <laughs> I can do the rest. Um, I want to start here. Why horror? I mean, this is your... Big film and horror is not something I see from you looking on the screen. Um,
1: so I actually really like horror. I've been loving horror since I'm a child. And I think for me, it's a really cool genre because um, drama and comedy is like people have different tastes, something that make people laugh are very different. Well I feel like everyone is scared of the same thing, um, like loneliness, not being able to love or be loved or death. And so I feel like horror is a very communal experience for people. And I think it's also a really entertaining genre where you can experiment with like the, the form of it, uh, how you tell your story, while uh, telling stories that can have a very deep meaning. Um, I think a lot of horror films recently have shown that you can use the horror lens to tell metaphors about societal issues. And since my film was about the expectation placed on women when they become mothers, I thought it would be a good uh, genre to do that through
0: yeah that's good you're right where I want to start why this story I mean you look very young I presume you don't have kids yet but you may yeah so um how did yeah. you learn about all the baby stuff I mean there's a ton of baby stuff here a lot of parenting issues so how um, did you learn that
1: I think it's um I like my childhood best friend's sister got a baby a couple of years ago so it's kind of like where I started wondering, because I knew her, she's not way older than me. And like, I was still, I was playing with her when we were kids and I was like, oh, soon it will be me too. And I just started thinking about how more difficult it is than it seems because everyone talks about it as if it's like the next natural big step without really considering how, like everything that is involving. Um, And I, like, I remember the day before I turned 25, I was in the park and there was a family with like two kids and two dogs. And when they called the dogs, the dogs came back. But when they called the kids, the kids didn't go back. And I was like, okay, you, you like children are the master of your life. You have to, they're the one who decide. And I think it's quite scary to, to know that. And also to know that you're very responsible of them. Um, That anything you say or do can have a big impact on who they become. And, um, but at the same time, I find it scary, the idea of not having children either, because I feel like having children is this, it's the purest form of love you can have. It's very unconditional. Um, and I feel like if you don't have children, you'll never really experience that. So everything around it, I think is a bit a source of worry for me, whether I have them or not. Um, and I really wanted to explore that. I, I also think it's like very visual because. Um, because of like the impact it has on the woman body, how, how it changes a woman's body, how you're like basically welcoming a being that you never met inside your body. It's, it's really alien to me. And I thought it was, yeah, an interesting subject to explore.
0: Okay. Let's get right in the beginning. You have an opening shot of a woman lying in a bed. I want to discuss the lighting on her face. It looks like you have shadows constantly. Did you mm-hmm. work on that a lot? Did you want those shadows there, or is that just something that naturally happened during the shot?
1: Um, so with my director of photography, Cherazid, uh, we wanted to have a distinctive look for, like, the real scene, like, real-life scene and the more horror scene. Um, so the real scene, we had a very naturalistic lighting, but for the horror scenes, we wanted to have something more contrasty. Um, that reminds a bit of, like, paintings from, like, chiaroscuro. Um, and uh so, yeah, like, the first scene is a nightmare scene, so we wanted it to look very contrasted, to have some shadows on her face, to play with, like, the patches of light and dark, uh, because it's really useful for horror to be able to hide scary thing in the dark and get them to the light later on. But also in terms of the theme of the film, I think it's quite interesting because the character is a bit lost and confused and she doesn't really know what she really wants. And so having her face um, contrasted between the lights and the dark is kind of materializing that directly through
0: the light. Okay. Let's go back to your main character. We don't really get to know her ever. I find mm-hmm. you're constantly introducing me to friends. You're introducing me to other locations, but I don't know her. You never let me in. Was that the plan? So I never know her. Um, so we had
1: a whole backstory planned for her, but we didn't want it to be um, really revealed on the screen because we wanted people to be able to imagine what would lead her to behave and feel and think the way she is now. Um, I think it wasn't really a goal per se that we don't really know her. I think it's just helping the viewers to project what they want onto her and to imagine themselves put themselves in her shoes um but what was important to me was to show how at the beginning she really cares about this baby and how as the film goes on she's kind of losing like losing even her perception of self because what she thought was the most important thing to her might not be the case anymore and i think yeah it was interesting for me to explore how um how she's kind of losing her mind while thinking about that maybe the thing she thought she wanted the most in the world is not really what she wanted the most in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go into that a bit more. You're totally good. Um, (laughs) You do not let me breathe in this film. Any nightmare scene, I am not allowed to breathe. I found them claustrophobic, (laughs) uncomfortable, and I wanted them to be done (laughs) asap.
1: Is that where you you. were
0: looking for the people? Like, I was so claustrophobic in these scenes. I'm like, she's... And you never move the camera back. You're literally putting me right beside her 24-7 in these scenes. Is that what you were getting at? Like, so my question is, when you're shooting, are you really that close to her?
1: Yeah, she was... Like, my my director of photography was super close to her. Um, It was... Very tight lens. It was, it was actually, I think Sherry, so the, the director of photography did an amazing job, but also the focus puller. Uh, her name is Nisa Elias and she was, yeah, we were so close the whole time and she managed to, to keep it in focus the whole time. So that's very impressive. Um, but yeah, the goal was, so I was really inspired by, um, social realism films, uh, especially the British ones, like the ones made by Andrea Arnold, where the camera is really following the character very closely, which allows you as a viewer to really identify with them. Um, especially given, like you said, we get introduced to Ariane's friends. Like Ariane's friends are talking a lot, but Ariane doesn't have lots of uh, lines in the film. She barely talks. And I think to be able to understand what she's going through, it was really um, a good decision to have the camera very close to her so we can experiment the world the way she experiments it. And that's even more useful for the horror films because we wanted... That was one of the, our goals, to to make the audience scared, to make them want, like, they want to escape it because that's how Aryan feels. And, um yeah, being very close to her, I think, facilitated that and also created a lot of... Because to me, the scariest film are the ones where you imagine what is lurking in the shadow. You don't really need to see it. And by being so close to her the whole time, it also allowed the viewer to start freaking out about how close the monster really is to her and how much of a threat uh, the monster can be depending on the distance he is from her. And, yeah, it, it allowed to play with the imagination of the viewer. I think.
0: Okay. I do want to get into the monsters you should brought up. I'll jump a little bit ahead. Am I supposed to assume, uh, I don't know how to answer this, that really is, something. is the monster real? Because I, I, one time I thought yes, one time I thought no, and in the end, I can tell you, I think it's ambiguous. I don't mm-hmm. think you allow me to make that decision.
1: I think the um, in the very first versions of the film I had written, the monsters were real. And then as I was progressing with the screenplay, it would change and they would become, like, it would become more ambiguous. And towards the end, when I was editing the film, I was thinking about how would it be if I presented it as it's purely in her mind. That's the way um, I took it. Yeah. So I think for me, because initially I wanted to have this ambiguity, whether or not the monsters are real, but to me, this is, I didn't want the viewer to finish at the end of the film thinking, oh, is she crazy or is it, is it real? That my point was not to, for the viewer to try and guess what's real from what's not real, but rather to imagine how that impacts herself and her perception of herself as a mother. And I thought that um, by um by going with the um, thesis that it's all in her mind, in the end it's not diminishing the film. I think it's adding even more because it makes you question as a viewer, oh, is she able to take care of this child if she's doing so badly mentally? And I think that's what she's realizing at the end as well. So the fact that the monster might not be real doesn't make them less scary because it reveals an aspect of her that is really scary.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna stay with the monster for a couple of seconds. You have a shot with the doorbell rings. Yeah. And you show me a green eye. Yeah. I thought that was right. a lovely shot. What Thank is you. that green eye made of?
1: Um so we used um peacock feathers and we had uh got this like bubonic type of eyes that we glued on it um uh. this monster i wanted him to have a lot so i there are a lot of reasons why he looks the way he looks his, i wanted him to look uh like he has lots of eyes over like everywhere because i think as a mother that's what you have to have like you have to be able to look at your child at every moment uh, i'm very scared of birds as well so i wanted to include that because yeah they're like they really provide me with a proper physical reaction um And so this monster was supposed to represent how a mom has to be like really on top of everything to be a good mom. And how sometimes that makes them like almost too smothering, which is why the monster is like on the verge of smothering Aryan. So, yeah, I wanted to explore the fear of becoming like a helicopter parent who's too intense about parenting through this one.
0: Okay, the makeup on the monster was lovely. I quite enjoyed that. I want to give a shout-out to your makeup artist.
1: Yeah, Sophie Baverstock. She's really, really talented, and she's so smart. She has so many ideas of little details to add up to make it even better. It was really nice working with her.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to the first scene that we have of the mom and the baby in the crib. Yes. You do a very fast cut. You cut over for the baby, go to her, she picks up the book. And you move off. It's not a real baby, I guess. I presume it's just a fake baby?
1: Yeah, it's a fake baby. It was, uh, I think it is made for women who uh, suffered miscarriage. It's hyper-realistic dolls that have like the size and the look of a baby. Yeah.
0: And then you glue something on that doll later on.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, Sophie's work. She added eyes on the baby um And like made up the baby so that the eyes look a bit like they're getting out of its skin.
0: I um, want to know what they were made. What were they buttons or?
1: Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, button eyes. Um, it's I don't remember where she found them. I think it's usually used for like teddy bears or something. Um, and yeah, she just made it a bit more gruesome.
0: Okay, when you take me out into her world, so I want to basically go to the store locations where I'm headed for part of this and part of the hospital. I find you let it light. You finally let the light come into your film. Yeah, but it still doesn't seem like a happy place for her.
1: No. Um. Yeah, I wanted to like the the, the backstory I had for her was that she um kind of escaped this. Uh toxic relationship and had to start over again. So I wanted the flat to look like it's the the thing she found, like she couldn't find better at this point. She just moved here there and, and like is hoping she's seeing the birth of the baby as a, as a way to start everything over and be happy again. So it's like really like a starting point. Um, and this location we found felt really claustrophobic, which I think was working well for the horror film, horror bits of the film. Um, and it had, like, this weird inside window that was giving from the room inside the kitchen. So it allowed her to play with depth, and I thought it was great because it was a a big space without looking too plain and too uh, shallow.
0: So Yeah, I want to go back to the store location when she meets her friend. Yeah. Her friend is just literally talking at her. Again, yes. I still feel you bring your claustrophobicness there. You don't let me escape yeah. the way you shoot it. So you have me shooting pretty much from her, looking at her friend, talking the whole time. And then when we switch back to her. I feel I'm even closer
1: mm-hmm. than Yeah, I was it is before. Even closer, yeah. Um, initially, we wanted to – so the conversation becomes very quickly uncomfortable. At the beginning, there is a tiny bit of space to breathe, and we can see – the friend, the friend's daughter, and Aryan's all in the same frame. But as the friends keep talking and talking and talking and becoming super overwhelming to Arianne, um, we wanted to get it tighter and tighter to show how Arianne's still really trapped in this conversation. And this conversation is a bit, the, in the film, it's a bit the beginning of the moment where we get a sense that Arianne is maybe not as ready as she thinks she is. And um, I think she's having this realization on screen as well. Um, and through the very tight framing, we wanted to kind of imply that she realizes now that she's trapped, not only in the conversation, but in her situation as a pregnant woman, and that it might not be as dreamlike as she thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I just want to go back to a small faux part you had in the store scene, and I didn't know if you did notice it. When you shoot the source scene, I can see the closed sign. It's clearly yeah. open side is not there. I called like that's wrong.
1: Yeah, I know it's uh it's so annoying because like we noticed it as well, and then we switched it around. Um, but then and like then we had a uh, change of heart again. where We were like, oh, but if we end up using the the first few shots we took where the sign was was uh reverted. Then it would be, it would continuously work. It would not work anymore. So we switched it again, and in the end, it, at the end, it we were like trying to focus on which one were the best in terms of performances, and we unfortunately had to let that sleep,
0: even though um, we noticed it and were a bit annoyed about it. I just wanted you to know, I did notice. <laughs> um, what's whose store is this, by the way? How did you find it?
1: Uh, what do you mean?
0: Whose oh, store is it?
1: The store, yeah, sorry. Uh, the store. It's um it's a store uh in east London. Uh, it was very difficult to find. Like all the stores I've been going to, they were not really keen on letting us shoot in their uh store. They would a- like they would let us do it, but they would ask for a lot of money for it. And these people have been kind enough to let us shoot there for an amount of money that was totally reasonable. And I really like the place because it looks very warm, like it's cozy with all the wood. The the toys are really cute. So it created a good contrast with our internal state, I think.
0: Okay. What is the Chad Butters? You bring it up near the end of the film. The, sorry, the what? The Chad Butters. I might have written it down wrong. Chad. Chit Butters. Don't worry about it. That's all right. I wrote <laughs> it down while I was watching it. So, as you're filming as a student, do you have people helping you out, or you're on your own? Because it's your thesis, right?
1: Yeah. So um, we are kind of our own. Like we have, we we can go back to our teacher to ask for advice. Like they are quite present in the pre-production phase, where like they monitor how we are progressing in the in the pre-production phase. They read the script. They give us tips on what would be easily manageable to produce and what would be more difficult to produce but once we're on set we are alone and uh yeah we just doing it by ourselves um but it's nice because like i worked with a lot of people from my school um and i also some people also came from outside the school and joined the project um and it was it was a really cool team i was really happy with it uh yeah so yeah we, we should a bit by ourselves
0: so how does it feel to be a writer-director, though? I mean, you have all the hats. You're, you're doing yeah. it. There's nobody there going, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. You're it. How did that yeah. feel?
1: Yeah, I I personally really like it because, like, when I write a story, I really imagine how it would look on the screen. And as a director, it was nice for me to be able to directly provide any answers to any cast or crew member on the set because I wrote it, so I knew what I wanted from it. Um, so I personally really like it. I, uh, never wrote for someone else, but I'd be interested in seeing how that would be. Um, and right now the next term I'm working on is, has been written by someone else, but I'm going to direct it. So I'll be able to tell you more how, like what a difference it makes between just writing it, uh, sorry, just directing it or writing and directing it. Um, But I think for some, like this project was very personal to me and it was important that I knew the story really well. So it was nice for me to write it and direct it, even though sometimes it was a bit stressful because I was also producing a big part of it. And uh, yeah, so like I had to think like creatively, socially and uh, logistically all the time. So by the end of it, it was a bit exhausting, but it was still nice to know everything at every phase of the process.
0: Okay, I'm going to now ask you three fun questions. You couldn't prepare for them, don't worry. <laughs> okay, um, your I'm ready. Favorite, Your favorite film, please?
1: Right now, it's it changes a lot, but right now it's Raw, but I cannot pronounce it properly, which is really annoying. That's it's right. R-A-W. That's uh,
0: it, you got it. Yeah. Raw's right. I know what it is, yeah. French film.
1: Yeah, from Juliette Uh It's really good because it's doing what I was mentioning at the beginning of the interview. It's using horror to tell something about some social aspects of living as a as a young uh, woman who starts living her adult life. Um, and it's it's surprising. You never really know what's going to happen. It's funny at times. Um, I think G.I.G. Corner is, is really talented.
0: Okay, one film. I mean, you're young, so I'm going to let this go. I mean, you're younger than me. <laughs> one film you've never seen but should have by now.
1: Oh, you know, this, there were a lot, but I saw them all this year. Like, I've, until this year, I never watched The Wicker Man or The Exorcist or 2001 A Space Odyssey.
0: Oh, we're doing this horror year. films. Okay. Have you seen Peeping Tom?
1: No. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I did. It's just in uh, French, it's a different, like, I I don't know why I know oh. French. Yeah, no, I did. Again, I did this year. It's like all, okay. <laughs> all this year I had my big discoveries. Um, But, no, I guess... There, there are a few. i just gonna think of them. Like they're on my list, and I'm just like, oh, I have to watch them, but I never feel in the good mood to watch them. Um, hmm. Oh yeah, I've never seen Forrest Gump actually. Um,
0: eh, you're not yeah, anything. I'm
1: not missing much. <laughs> okay,
0: since you are a student in London, I think you're still in London. You may not move yeah. by now. What's the one thing you recommend people do when they visit London?
1: Oh. Um, so I, I personally think that, uh, there are like an, a few nice touristic places to go see, like Big Ben and the Palace and everything. But to me, what is interesting about London is not really the, this touristic place. It's more like walking around the city. I personally love walking along the canal. Um, there is, you can walk from Victoria Park, which is very east until central London. That would be like an hour and a half walk. But it's really nice because it allows you to go through a lot of different neighborhoods. And every neighborhood in London is very different from one another. So you can get different vibes. The water is pretty. Um you can stop at a pub. And yeah, I think just trying to get a sense of all the different neighborhoods is the best part of London. Because they're so diverse and each of them has their special thing.
0: If somebody wants to get a hold of you, how best so they find your work? Sorry? How would can they you
1: find your work? Oh, sorry, yes. Um, uh, so, uh, I'm currently working on my website. Unfortunately, I don't have finished it yet, but you can uh find me on Instagram mostly. Uh, my handle is mahem 7 so it's M A H E E M 7. Um I also have a Vimeo page. Uh for now, so because of the how festivals work, you cannot really have your film public um at all time. But once the festival run of Iron Baby will be over, I'll turn the, the film in uh in public mode so people will be able to catch it. But it's also showing at festivals. So it's uh the next festival it's gonna go to is in England. Um but I'm still waiting for answers for other festivals. So if it shows in Canada, I'll let you know. Um Thank you. but yeah, it's uh yeah, that would be the best place.
0: Hold on. And, yep. You want me to help you out? It's going to be showing at the Horror by the Sea Film Festival at the end of exactly. January. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But we got to put
0: that out there. I'll help you. Out yeah. Sorry.
1: At so the end Yeah. And yeah. No, I'm very excited because uh, it looks like it's a great festival,
0: and it looks like it's going to be really fun. I love horror hey. film festivals. <laughs> well, I hope you attend in person then.
1: Yeah, I, I will. I, if I'm not sick, I'll be there.
0: Thank you for your time, and have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you for the interview.